Hello, Hi Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. Today we are going through uh, some of the beginnings of the Christmas narratives. Uh, we are going to be in Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25, as we continue our walk through the season of Advent. So we are in Luke chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 5, where we read this. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving, serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace for having no children, of having no children. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pastor Walt uh, preached on this passage a couple weeks ago, kicking off our, our Advent series. And um, there's a lot of different ways to look at this passage. And he spoke, at a, uh, spoke about it from the perspective of uh, Zechariah and his fear and talked about how we might handle fear. And like we've often pointed out, the most common command is, uh, do not be afraid. And it's exactly the first thing that the angels say. Uh, the angel says, but the the focus I had when I was reading through it this time was the contrast from the immediate uh, first verse in this passage uh, that it was during the time of King Herod of Judea, and just the attitude in this contrast between this uh, this king, this rich wealthy man who had many children, actually had many wives and many children. And this poor old couple who had no children and desperately wanted even one child. And King, uh, 
King Herod, on the one hand, he had a wife that he killed and three sons that he killed. Herod saw the ch his children as an extension of himself, as a tool he would use to establish his own name and legacy. But when they became a threat to his power, he had them executed. Any hint of treachery, real or imagined, and he'd have them executed. I, you know, I can't even imagine uh, the point you'd have to get to where you would want to kill your own sons, find yourself in that position. But that was the type of person uh, King Herod was. And, and, and in contrast, even the word of the angel to uh, Zechariah says that the one in him who's going to be John the Baptist, the, the, the one, uh, uh, the child is going to be born to Elizabeth. Um, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, which again is this striking contrast uh, to King Herod, whose heart certainly as a father was not turned towards his children. And uh, I think it says a lot about us. It says a lot about who we are. It says a lot about whose we are based on how we see children, whether we see children as a burden, a liability, uh, a mouth to feed, uh, a pain in the neck, um, whatever you know, other things we might say about our kids, as opposed to seeing them for the incredible blessing that they are. And ultimately, uh, someone who belongs ultimately not to us, but belongs to God. They're a gift from the Lord. And we can see that in Zechariah and Elizabeth's attitude. And we're going to see this with uh, Mary as well and the, the treatment of children. I, it's just like, so we have King Herod on the one side and we have all the most vulnerable. We have the old, the very old, the very young, the childless, little children, kind of all the people who have little power and voice and they're on the other side and they want they want so much to give. And on the other side, you have the one who's powerful, who wants so much to take. Uh, I thought this was the approach that I took as I was reading the uh, the passage this time. And I'm wondering if you have anything that you, you know, maybe you want to take it a different direction, or maybe you have something to say about um, how we live out today, this value of uh, valuing children as a gift from the Lord. Well, I, yeah, actually, I think there are a lot of interesting things in this passage. And, you know, it is one of those ones that we read sometimes at the, um, you know, in anticipation of Christmas. And so many of these passage, <clears throat> passages that we, we read regularly in these cycles, we actually don't even hear at all because we've heard them so many times. We assume we already know whatever's in it, but there's just so much. The reason we read them all the time is there's actually so much in it. Um, and, and they are worth really paying attention to and asking sort of new questions and paying, atten uh, paying attention and uh, learning new things. Um, I, I, a whole bunch of things jump out to me in this. I think, first of all, that... Uh, you know, he's going into the the, uh, the temple, and uh, uh, you know he was the one who was chosen to go into the sanctuary of the Lord. And uh, but there was that sense of the awesomeness and holiness of God. And um, and then we see that same sense when you know he ends up uh, seeing this angel. Uh, the angel of the Lord is right there, and he's overwhelmed with fear. It says in verse twelve. Uh, and as you point out, the angel says, don't be afraid, Zechariah. And yet that's what happens every time somebody sees these angels, right? Mary's over, you know, tons of fear. The shepherds, tons of fear. Um, that is the natural reaction to, to seeing one of these kind of glorious beings. And they themselves only reflect, you know, like a little of the glory of the actual Lord. And I think that in our day, you know, I think we probably go on pendulums and culture and uh, and we overemphasize the, the, the holiness of God. And then we start to think of God as distant and aloof and angry and judgmental and, you know, all of these kind of things. And so then we correct and we talk about how, how, no, God loves us and he's our friend and he's a servant and, and he's, you know, with us all the time. And, you know, he's very near you. 
And both of those things are absolutely true. Uh, the problem is, is we end up choosing one when in fact, what we have to do is have them true at the same time and be able to say this one who is the author of all things, the one who can do anything, snuff me out in a second. And goodness knows I've given them plenty of reason to that all of that, right? The, the power, the holiness, the awesome, the awesomeness, the incomprehensibility, all of that. And that God chooses to become a servant, to become a baby, to become my friend, right? And, and I think actually the reason why we, we, we kind of talk about this kind of thing as we anticipate Christmas is this was the insane miracle of Christmas, right? It's just, it's, well, it's just nuts. And I think this is why the angels were just like singing and, and praising. They couldn't believe that God would do this. Uh, but it's because they understood the awesomeness of God. Just because God serves doesn't mean I should treat him as a servant, right? And and I think that's the, the, the so oftentimes we then start to think, well, if he's serving, I'm the master. You know, we don't say it that way, but we act that way. Uh, whereas we think, no, 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 God serves because that's his nature. That's his way. And then, you know, as he invites me into proximity, how much more than shall I serve? You know, this kind of um, sense of humility that I think would be appropriate. All right. So that that's one thing I think that, that sticks out to me. It's just that the sense of the the um, the awesomeness. I think the second thing, and uh, I've mentioned this before along the way, but, um, you know, Zechariah's response, when we see it in, in verse 18, uh, Zechariah says to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now. My wife is well along in years. Well, you know how when you text something, you can't always see the tone? You know, and so sometimes you text something and you're trying to be funny, but it really comes off as just callous or insensitive or angry. You're like, I didn't mean it that way. Well, I think actually we have that same problem here, right? The text maybe doesn't uh, capture um, kind of the tone. Because Mary, just a few verses later, Mary is actually going to have a pretty similar reaction, right? How can this be? I'm a virgin. Uh, and, and as I read those now, just only having the text, and I read it in English, right? It, 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 looking at those, I kind of go, those seem like pretty similar responses. And yet, it seems like Zechariah got in some trouble. Uh, you know, like that that was not uh, well received. And yet, um, when uh, when Mary did it, it, we think of it as this beautiful humility and, and you know, it's kind of these assurances of God's favor for her. What's the difference? Uh, it's the difference between, uh, you know, curiosity and cynicism. And, and I, I wonder if that's what's going on, that Zechariah's like, come on, that can't happen, right? And the other response is, Mary's sort of just mystified. Tell me, how is this possible, right? I just, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. So tell me, how, 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 could, how could this be? And it's not, hey, I don't think this could be, but it's, I don't know how this works. And, and I'm asking Genuinely, I think that doubt is something that can actually be really helpful as we're trying to navigate through things. But I think defiance is not helpful, and and I think that doubts and God, I don't, I don't know if this is possible. I don't, I don't get it. And and I, 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 I do you exist? I want to know, but I, but it's curiosity. I want to know the truth, but I don't know the truth, and I, I want things. To, to make sense, but I, I, given what I know now, that doesn't make sense. But it's this longing to know the truth. 
that's a very different thing than this kind of like defiant disbelief. That can't be true. That'll never be. And I think that's where we make ourselves the judge, right? And so in Mary's case, she's just asking, she's asking a genuine question. In Zechariah's case, he's sort of the judge saying, no, that, that, that's not going to work. Uh, and I think that spirit with which we come to God makes really a world of difference. It's kind of like the difference between saying, that's unbelievable. Like, that's amazing. Or yeah. that's that's unbelievable. That's not believable. <laughs> it's literally unbelievable. Well, I mean, and, and Zechariah's context, of course, is different, too. I think there were something like 2,000 priests who are on the register who could be chosen by lot and you're serving for a week so you do the math you figure out most priests didn't serve ever and if they did it was probably once in their lifetime if, if god is going to show up anywhere that should be the person a priest in the holy temple and, and where exactly where they should expect god to show up and that yet when god shows up he's incredulous like he, he's finding it difficult to believe and so uh, so certainly, I think he there would be a different expectation on him than on Mary, and certainly he would have to be more familiar with all the scriptures that this is not the first time this has happened. God has done similar things in the past, and and Zechariah, maybe you should remember some of those stories rather than uh, reacting in the way that you're doing. So, but his story is not over. He he just has a temporary gag order, literally for a uh, while. Yeah. So, and 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 that brings glory to God as well. That's right. That's right. Well, John, would you be able to close us in prayer today? Yeah, I would love to. Oh, our good and gracious God, we thank you for uh, these many uh, details to the story that we get to ponder, to ask about uh, your the way you see children, the way you see power and legacy and all these things, and the way you see our, our faith and our incredulity and our uh, curiosity and defiance and all of this. And Lord, uh, we pray that we would have a spirit that that values the things you value and that trusts you because you have proven yourself over and over again that you are trustworthy. Lord, we thank you for this story. We thank you for the many others. May our lives themselves become stories where others can read in them, read through them, how you are uh, a faithful God, that you are the hero of our stories and not we. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, we love having you along with us, and we're looking forward. We're in our countdown now to Christmas, and so we look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.